This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Let's talk to you on the phones. Uh, let's go to Jose in Brooklyn. Jose, you're next on 98.7. Good afternoon, Larry. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jose. What's going on, my friend? Uh, I'm just uh, just riffing and wanting to check in and talk about, you know, the two teams that, you know, we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. One, my favorite team that's currently just making my summer miserable, which is the New York Yankees. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, you know, the New York Knicks, you know, with, with what you just had on. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Yankee point, I... I, um, I, I you know, even me, me and Joe just kind of disagreed. I'm, I'm at the point where, like, you know, if you're going to be this bad, you know, you might as well just be all the way bad and just, you know, give me every young player up here and have them go through the struggles. I don't care for a third wild card spot. I know that's blasphemous for me to say, mm-hmm. but it's just I, I, I'm just at that. I've just been driven that crazy to a point because I think that game that I went to on Friday, seeing Josh Donaldson get pitched hit, hit in, in, in that in that game game just really drove me insane to a point where I just said, I, I threw my hands up and I said, I quit. <laughs> um, for the big, for the Knicks, you know, and, and it, you know, I'm all for, like, I, I want to be able to improve the roster, but every option that I keep given is just like, it's just like a high risk and, there's really not a big reward because either of these players are not going to make us a championship contender right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And we're, and we're still, even if we make the trade, we're still even a couple of years off from that. So I'm just, you know, I'm at a no go with this, with this even more, even more as more time passes by because at the, we're not a quick fix team. That's going to be able to make a championship run. Right. Like, like that. I, I know that you know i know that you know we gotta try for just trying sake but i'm not interested in blowing up the team or future assets or trying to get get a super trying to get one of these injured guys who i feel are just a name they're not superstars anymore right. you know the, the the time the time that they were superstars stars has passed mm-hmm. so we're gonna see you know how this works out i hope the knicks don't make the move what they did show was when they said, said no to Donovan Mitchell, they already set the table of what they're not going to, you know, give up on. So we're going to see how this works out, Larry. I hope you have a great weekend. All right, oh, and shout out to the company. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, yeah, I look. I know what you're saying, and it's tough for the Yankees are down 3 nothing. It's tough for you as a fan to look at your team and say, you know what, I, I don't want them to go far. I, I, I don't want them not to go far, but I don't want them to go to the postseason because it's just, it's really, it doesn't mean anything. It's really postseason for show. That's what it is. It's not, uh, it's not going to lead to anything. We're not close to a championship where I'm going to sit here and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to get to the, we have a shot. Okay, all we have to do, we're one of the top teams. We're going to get in, and we have a shot. That's not it. That's not what this team is. Even if everybody was healthy, you would still have concerns about the team's past track record when they get to the postseason, right? Because they've had better lineups 
than this lineup. And when they've gotten to the postseason, they've been stymied by better pitching. So if you were stymied by better pitching with the lineups you had, that's better than this one. Could I understand from a Yankee fan standpoint to say, you know what, I don't even let's blow it up. I don't want I don't even want to go to the postseason because what is that? It doesn't mean anything to me. But I don't but management can't think that way, Jose. You you know what I'm saying? A fan can think that way. Management can't think that way. For management, they have to keep working and making adjustments till they make that team good enough to get to where they need to go. Because if they just blow it up, it hurts their ability to make trades to make them better. Right? If I know that you're you're all sellers going in, okay, well, I'm going to try to take you for everything you have. But if you are still in and I know that, okay, judges, if I'm, a, if I'm a, an opponent GM, I'm thinking, all right, judge is going to come back eventually. All right. Stan is not this bad. LeMay, who is not as good as he was, but he's not as bad as he is. Torres, I don't know what he is right now because even when he hits, he makes mental errors. Like like base running is, is a major thing with him. Over this past month, he's had a bunch of base running mistakes. He should be on the Mets. I mean, I mean can't you look and see that the ball, you can't run. You can't be that aggressive. So the, the other GMs know that they're not as bad as they're playing. They're close. But the offense would be a little bit better. So you got to ride it out. This is, for you, this is the team that you have put together. Now, am I a proponent for you saying, you know what, this is not going to work. We have to get rid of our mistakes and, and let's try to do that. Yeah, I'm a proponent of that. But a team, a team's front office can't say, okay, let's just blow it up. We're done. That's not the Yankee way. They're not going to do that. They're just not. That's not how that's not how that front office operates. They're gonna keep they're gonna keep trotting them out there until they find a way to get them working. That's what they have to do. John's a freehold. Hey, John. Hey, good afternoon, Larry. How you doing today? I'm doing great, John. What's happening? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, it's kind of discouraging with the options that the Knicks seem to have available in front of them right now in regards to trades. Nobody moves the needle for me. I know you've said it too. I'm not interested in a Paul George making a boatload of money at 33 years of age with the injury history. Uh, you got the same thing with Zach Levine, who you didn't mention. Zach Levine's another mm-hmm. guy that's got an injury history who hasn't proven to be a winning player as well. Yep. Uh, Car- I know Carl Anthony Towns, the big thing with him is, oh, he's phenomenal. He does it all. He's a 20-10 and 10 guy. Well, that's the same thing that we say about Julius Randle, about his 20-10 and 10 stats. And we said it previously with the Nick when David Lee was here. Mm-hmm. I want to win, Larry. I care about winning players and players that fit properly to this team. And I look at three players, all left-handed shooting from the floor, that are all ISO players in Randall, Barrett, and Brunson. And I just need more fluidity on the floor, more continuity. I need better ball movement. I want to see this team run more. And I want to see this team get more easy baskets. And I think Julius Randle is a major roadblock in getting that accomplished. Mm-hmm. I'd like to move away from him and elevate Obi Toppin to our starting power forward position because he's a kid 
who every time he gets more time on the floor, he, he, he produces more. Produces more points, more rebounds. He's more, he's more energetic. He's more engaged. John, and he's I'll, more let productive. I'll let you finish, but i got to ask you. Do you even think he's going to be on this team next year? Well, that's the thing. That's what's bothering me, Larry, with, with, with the problem he seems to have with Tom Thibodeau. We heard about an altercation they had after a playoff game. You know, there seems to be you know, some kind of rub there between the two. And I don't, know, I don't know what the reason is, but I think that's something that needs to be repaired because I think if you move away from this kid, I think you could be losing something potentially good in, in that. I think their number one need is to put somebody alongside Brunson at that shooting guard spot, Larry. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that guy, that, that evident guy is, is not available and, and there right now, unfortunately. So I hold on to my chips. They got a boatload of first-round picks, as we know. They got a boatload of second-round picks. They've got young players they could use. The best scenario for right now would be this. You get Josh Hart to uh, help us out and, and, and opt in for this year to give you some more financial flexibility. I told you this before. I would go out and get Karis LeVert and, and Seth Curry. Uh, I bring both of those guys in as unrestricted free agents. You don't have to surrender any picks. You don't have to surrender any of your young talent. You enhance your roster. You improve your perimeter shooting. You get more athletic. You get more versatile. You strengthen your bench. And also, at the same time, you're giving yourself more chips and more flexibility if a, if a deal, if a guy shakes free later in the season leading up to the trade deadline, or even if we have to wait past that period, we have more talent on the roster, more flexibility to play with, in, 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 and more strength in a, in a trading position. Um, Shea Gildress Alexander is a guy I've always had my eye on. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about... Jolante Murray, who they lost a year ago, he might be shaken free from Atlanta. I, I, he's a big guard that's super athletic. He defends really well. He can shoot the three. He could drive to the basket. He does it all at the shooting guard position. I think a backcourt of Brunson and Murray would be tremendous, or a backcourt of Brunson and Shea Gildress-Alexander would be tremendous as well. You've got to engage in those, with those teams, and you've got to see if those guys are available. And if they are, I want guys that are under 30, Larry. Yeah, a lot of these guys with the injury, they, it's, either, it's either they got an injury history or they're, they're, they're 30 or older. I don't want that for this team. If I'm going to make a big move, if I'm going to give up the assets that we have, i got to bring in somebody that's young and that's on the rise and that can grow with the rest of the roster. That's what I'm looking to do. I'm not looking to make a quick six moves. Yeah. Uh, you, your previous caller said guys that have passed their prime that were superstars but are no longer holding that title now. We, we don't need that. We've been there and done that with this franchise before. A lot, John. So I'd rather the phone be... call, my friend, a lot. That, that's the history of this team. There's no question about it. There's, that's the history of it. And uh, you want to continue. You want veterans, but you want young veterans who, who are, in, are at their prime or heading into their prime or in the middle of their prime. That's what you want. And listen – if they're really good, they're not available. I understand that. I get that. They're not really available. If they're really, really good, they're they're really, really good on the team that doesn't want to give them up. It's got to be a scenario as you know, like a Damian Lillard, who you know, once again, is over thirty, but still has has some good years left, and he's got to say, I, I want out. I, I I'm not happy with where we're going right now. I want out, and so that's where you'd have to get that player. All right, but. Uh, the players that you, the top players that you see, as you mentioned, Levine and Paul George now and Zion Williamson, these guys all have injury history. That's why they're available. 
Okay? That's why, that's why teams throw their names out. We don't really know if they're available. But that's why teams throw their names out because they want to see who'll take them. Who's the buyer? Who can I get to take this team, this, this guy, from me? And if the deal is good enough, okay, I get rid of the salary and I'll sacrifice some better, some younger players to my fan base because this is what I'm selling. These are young and up-and-coming players, but they're going to play. They'll be available. You'll be able to come and watch them. Unlike the situation you have now with George and, uh, you know, Kawhi and Zion and even Levine, who doesn't always, is not always available. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talking a little NBA with you at 1-800-919-3776. Let's continue that conversation with Bruce in Brooklyn. Bruce, you're next on 98.7. Larry, how are you? I'm doing good, Bruce. What's up? Uh, you know, I listened to the previous caller. I am on, you know, I agree with, I, I would I would rather move on from Julius Randle. Uh, you know, he definitely puts the numbers up which are very impressive, but it's just not an efficient way that he does it. It kind of puts, you know, it doesn't gel. It doesn't flow well with the team. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand. I mean, I, I, the love fest for Obi Toppin. The guy, he's not a consistent shooter. He, he, I give him credit. He improved uh, this season for sure. But before that, the year before, I mean, this guy was shooting off the shot clock, off the top of the backboard. He, um, his defense isn't, isn't great. He's arguing with the coach, so he's a me guy. Uh, I'll give. I'll also give him the credit where he stepped up when Julius went down with the ankle injury, and he produced. But you know, he was arguing early in the season um, when he he was a, a regular piece off the bench. If he was that guy, he would have been coming in off the bench and dominating. But you got you know a, an average night from him was six, eight points. You know, he, he might get hot with the three and hit it now but he's not a consistent offensive option. As the year went on, he progressed. You just have to hope he keeps doing that. He, he should be uh, going to the basket and such. But I wouldn't be, you know, trying to hand over the team to him. So I really just don't understand the love. And for, to hear him arguing with Thibodeau in the playoffs, you know, you're trying to win a game and, and you're worried about yourself and your stats. You know, I don't know. You know, I, I, don't, I don't need that. He's a, it seems like he's a me guy. All right, well, Bruce, now, hold on a second. Let me, let me run this past you. Uh-huh. Okay? If you were a player who felt that you would play, you should be playing, right? And you go talk. This wasn't leaked out to the media. Now, he went to the coach, all right? And he goes to the coach, and he says he wants more playing time. Do you, do you like that as a player, or do you rather your player just be quiet and say, you know what, that's the way it is, I'm not playing? Does it, well, does, I, it, does, does it take something from the fact that – does it mean something to you that the guy is not happy with not playing? Because he could just easily say, okay, they want me to play. Forget it. I don't have to play. Well, no, of course. I want players that want to play, which is a rarity in the NBA these days. <laughs> but there's, but there's, <laughs> there's ways to do that. When you, when you have your opportunity, seize it. Make him put you on the court more. Show something in practice. When he had his chances in the playoffs, he he didn't do much. You have to you know you have to prove yourself. It's not going to be handed to you. 
that's not the way to do it uh, in the middle of a game uh, during a huddle. I mean, you know, you know, that's that's not. I'd rather not have that on the team. But well, I, he probably won't be I, on the team, Bruce. So you, you'll probably get your. I, <laughs> you'll probably I mean, get your, I, I would be okay with, right. with. I would be okay with adding him as a trade piece. But if not, if he is on the team, show more progression, which he did as the year went on. Well, and make you yourself say this now, put yourself the in the argument of, it, of maybe uh, you know what maybe we can use you as a well. A focal here's the point. other side of it, Bruce. If he played more, maybe he produced more. I mean, well, he, averaged, but, he averaged what eight, ten minutes a game. Thanks for the phone call. I mean, let's say for argument's sake, you give him 12, 13 minutes a game. Maybe he does give you more. Now, listen, do fans love Obi Toppin because he's he's a draft choice, and fans love their own draft choice? I get it. I'm not saying to you, Bruce, that Obi Toppin's the perfect player. It's not what I'm saying. Is Has he been a liability on defense? Yes. Does he need to rebound more? Yes. Is there situations where he falls in love with the three? Yes. But apparently, that's where he's supposed to be because every time he comes into the game, they set him up behind the three. They set him up in either corner. He's either on the far side corner or the near side corner. Uh, that's where he sets up. All right, so that's apparently where the offense, where they want him to go. Is he great on the fast break and and exciting and athletic? Absolutely. And that's what the fans love. Does he have the perfect game? No. Does he need work? Absolutely he needs more work. But the only thing I'm trying to say is it may not have been the right time, but there was a frustration because for him, we're losing. And I'm not playing at all. I gave you... What I, I gave you production in the game that Julius Randle sat. And then I don't get into a game in the second half when you probably could have used some offense. Okay. And we could agree or disagree with the right time to say it or the right time to produce it or how it was said or so on and so forth. Yes, we can have that discussion. But I just got to tell you, I don't want a guy who's just happy with the status quo. I want a guy who's, you know, I'm not happy with my production. I'm not happy with my playing time, and I'm going to show you more. So I think to him, just trying to get in his thought process, I think to him, look, I showed you what I can do when I got the minutes in that first game for Julius and produced. Doesn't that earn me the right to continue to play? And then, ironically, after that discussion, he now plays again. (laughs) So... It's a weird thing. It's just a really weird thing. I, I just think that he's not the fit. And I would not be at all surprised if he is not here. Okay, when uh, if they can get a package for somebody, he's definitely going to be included in that package. He definitely is. Because Tibbs is not going anywhere. All right, he's gotten his team under his tutelage. The three years he's been here, they've been in the postseason two of those three years. And last year, this past season, advanced to the second round. Now, hopefully there's no slippage where they don't go into, hopefully there's no slippage that they, like they did in the second year, right? They went to the playoffs, go to, you know, lose in the first round, then come back. And, you know, last year they weren't even in the play so you're hoping that that doesn't happen this year for them. And to be fair, the previous track record of Tom Thibodeau is that teams sometimes slack 
in the sec in, in that fourth year. So hopefully that doesn't happen. They need to get players that can improve and improve what they do, improve them offensively with not killing them defensively. That's what they have to do. That's the whole goal for this Nick team. We'll continue the conversation with you on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. So you guys understand what I'm saying about Obi Toppin. It's fans love players whom they're on, who they draft with. They love those guys. Those are guys you bond with. Those are guys you, you want to be with. And once again, because of Tom Thibodeau's reputation, coming in as head coach of the Knicks of not playing kids automatically you love kids (laughs) and you want to see them play and he doesn't play them so when the team doesn't perform the thing is well let's play the kids you always want to see the young players this along with the fact that and this is just not a knock on him but it's 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 an observation Julius Randle in the postseason has not been the same guy as he is during the regular season. Just hasn't been. And so when you have a guy that has not produced when the lights are brightest, you want somebody else to have that opportunity. So people are ready to move on. And, you know, you can't just move on from a guy who's been who had, gives you that type production in Julius Randle unless you're going to have somebody that's going to match or Elevate that same production. And I'm not ready to say that Obi Toppin is that guy. I, I don't know what he I don't know that he can do that every night. I don't know. Richard's in Brooklyn. Hey Richard, you're next on 98.7. Yeah. How you doing, man? Uh listen. Listen. Yeah, his Obi Toppin's job is to make Tom Thibodeau play him. Julius Randle and, and, and his little laxes has given a lot of opportunity. Thibodeau will get fired, the first one to get fired, if that team doesn't win. He's got to make Tom Thibodeau look down that bench and make him play him by his performance. Now, he's young. This year, he has to step up to show that he can transfer his game from the college level to the pros, okay? Now, for him to be arguing with the coach about playing time, he's not looking, you know, at himself. I, You know, when I play basketball, I, I put the coach in a very hard position that he had to be a fool not to put me in that game, right? So, you you know, he can't put the onus on Tom Thibodeau and, and, and Julius Randle, you know, He's gave Obi Toppin, uh, Tom Thibodeau, plenty of reasons to put Obi Toppin in. But if Obi Toppin is not playing in a way to force Tom Thibodeau's hand, that's on him, right? That that's on him. I mean, um, uh, Julius Randle's performance has left the door open for another player to outplay him, right? And mm-hmm. I don't care how much they paid him. That's not the first time that we paid the guy contract. It's uh, Jay, uh, uh, Rose. Rose sat on the bench and didn't even get in the games. 
Mm-hmm. Right? And so it doesn't matter how much they pay them. A bad contract is a bad contract. But it's my job to make that to make it to make it apparent that that money that you gave him was supposed to be given to me. Right? I mean, this is the, what we have a passion. Right? This is what we have a desire for to get better. Right? I don't, I don't want to hear that. You make him play you. Right? All right, Richard. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, Richard. But let me ask you this, Richard. So you mean to tell me that based on his play for in game one, when Julius Randle was off, was hurt, his play did not warn him to play in the second half of another game? Let me tell you, if I was OB Toppin, that's my opportunity. But he did his opportunity. He performed. In game one, he performed. He did not. He did not perform. And once again, Richard, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. But I'm saying in this incident, in this one instance, he performed in game one. Okay, he did everything they asked of him. All right, and then he doesn't play again. So what's the message to him? I did what you asked me to do. I performed. I came up big for you. How come I'm not playing? Not not starting in the second half, Richard. Let let let, let me tell you this. Mm Hmm. He didn't outperform good enough because you know the guarding crowd. If he sometimes when you beat somebody and they come back, that means you Richard, didn't the beat guarding him crowd was calling time. his name. Well, then you know what? <laughs> he's got he's got to bring the good this year. I got it. But, but the here's good. the thing, Richard. He's he's probably not going to be here. Thanks for the phone call. He's probably not going to be here. I don't think so. I think if they, if they have a chance to package him. In any move, they will do that. And again, let me just, I'm not trying to be an OB apologist. All I'm trying to say is this, okay? I'm not saying he's the perfect player. He has issues with defense. There's no question he does. He has issues with rebounding. There's no question he does. Do the fans love him because he's athletic on the break and he dunks and has great dunks? Yes, they love it. He's a crowd pleaser. And but does he need to help work on does he need work with the, does he need help with his footwork defensively? Absolutely he does. And like I said earlier, he needs to rebound better. And his three pointer, he needs to work on that. All right, he does. He's not a perfect player. There are reasons there are nights when he gets in the you understand why he plays a limited amount of minutes. You understand it. You see it. But then there's other nights where he's performed well and then the minutes are inconsistent. So to him, I guess he's trying to figure out, well, what do I have to do? I play well. When I play well, I get short minutes. When I don't play well, I get short minutes. So I get his thinking, but uh, I, it's, it's, it is ultimately, ultimately, if he is doing everything he's supposed to do and he is performing to the best of his ability when he's out there, There's really nothing else for him to do because all this talk about it's a player's league. And in a sense it is because players and all this talk of players get to dictate where they go and all this. And they do. The coach still controls your minutes, still controls your minutes. And so while it is a player's league in some sense, your minutes are still controlled. And that when you're not a top tier player, it's a difference maker. It is. Jerome's in these stars. What's up, Jerome? 
Hey, listen, man. I'm 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 longtime Knicks fan, but it's getting so hard to stay a Knicks fan. You know why? Because everyone always talks about you know these people going, oh, this guy doesn't fit. This guy doesn't fit. You act like we won ten championships in a row. What do you mean these guys don't fit? Who are we? You know, it's like every year I watch the finals for the past 20 years, I see guys that didn't fit winning rings with other teams. To me, it doesn't make any sense. You got a guy that's scoring 26 and 10. Where else are we going to get 26 and 10 at that rate from? Who are we going to trade that's going to give us 26 and 10? In two years, they're going to be saying Jalen Brunson doesn't fit anymore. Every couple of years, somebody excels, you know, and then all of a sudden they don't fit. It's so frustrating. It is so frustrating. I finally have a little bit of confidence in the front office that the Knicks have, you know, have put together. And, you know, you got people that call in and and they're acting like, you know, this is like fantasy league or something like that. Sit back. Let these guys that get paid to do what they do, let them do what they do. You know, and if OB has to get traded, if we trade him for somebody good, you know, who, who can fit, quote, unquote, then we'll be in a better position. But right now, everybody just needs to relax. Well, what happens, Jerome, and thanks for the phone call, and I understand what you're saying, but what happens is you react because other teams make moves that now have forced you to reexamine what your team looks like, right? So, okay, we're looking. Last year, the Knicks did a decent job against Boston. They, They really played Boston well especially second half of the year. All right, so now Boston makes a move, and we don't know how it's going to work out, but on paper, man, so they got Porzingis. So now you got Porzingis, Tatum, and Brown. Huh. And you got White moving up as their point guard. Okay, that's a pretty good team. How do we match up with that team? Okay, we need to make some adjustments. Or you look and you say, man, you know what? We're, we're, we're better than Miami, but how come, how come Randall didn't take that next step? He's the guy that's a – he's our 25 and 10 guy, right? He's the guy – he's our guy. But, man, in the postseason, he hasn't been able to elevate his game. So it just forces you to reevaluate and look at what you have. And that's why you start to hear your fellow Nick fans say, well, this guy doesn't fit here, and this is what we need over there because like, we look at Golden State or we look at Miami, and Miami has an offense that moves. It's not just one guy who, who isos. Even Jimmy Butler, when he has the basketball, you know, unless he's making a move for himself predominantly, he's a guy that likes to spread the wealth and move the basketball. Well, how come our guy doesn't do that? You know, so that's why he doesn't fit what we wanted. He doesn't fit what what I like to see. Teams who are successful moving the basketball, unless it's a set play, they this ISO thing, it doesn't really work for me. So, Jerome, that's what you're hearing. And you're hearing fans who are frustrated, much like you, because the team hasn't won. I mean, the team hasn't even been in the postseason. This was the first time they got past the second round in over a decade, in a decade. So that's the frustration. So the same frustration you have is the same frustration they feel. They're tired. 
I mean, it's been a long time since the Knicks have even been in the conversation of coming out of the East and winning a championship. It's been a long time. That's what you're hearing. We'll continue the conversation on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. A couple of things that made me laugh this week, and I saw I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe what I saw. And that was the commissioner of baseball saying, in retrospect, maybe I handled that Houston Astros thing the wrong way. You're unbelievable. <laughs> you think? You think? That, that scandal, maybe I handled it the wrong way. I'm not quite sure, but, you know, I could handle the players a little differently. You know, no penalty for the team. Nothing. Nothing. Front office people. Management, yes. Players, no. I really. And and the interesting thing for me is, how did you come up with this hypothesis after this time, this time passing? How? What what about what made you think that maybe you should have done something differently? Now we all have we all look back and review and say, you know, well, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do something differently and whatnot, you know. Every fan of every team has a trade that they look back in or signing and they say, boy, I really wish my team did this instead of that or didn't do this and did that. So I'm just curious as to where the commissioner of baseball, where he came up with that and said, you know what, I eh, wasn't a good look. Wasn't a good look. I should have come up with something differently. Well, I don't know. But that's what he had to say. So, you know, and here's the sad thing. You're not going to adjust it, so why share it, to be honest? It's not like you're going to change it. You can't. It's already done. So, really, what's the point in even mentioning it? Nothing's going to change. Nothing has changed. Catching up with your local baseball scores this afternoon, you got the Mets and Phillies tied at two as the Mets bat in the fourth inning. And the Yankees are trailing 3-2 with Texas. And this has been, so this has been an interesting, as I look at the, I'll talk about the Yankee game first. This has been interesting in watching the Yankees because this is probably the most inconsistent that I've seen Garrett Cole in a while. He's been the ace of the staff. He's been dominant. He's been really good. And he gave up some runs early, but he's kind of, you see him, he doesn't have his ace stuff today, but you kind of see him able to make some adjustments and get out of situations. And that's what he's doing right now. And it's funny looking at Nathan Nivaldi, another former Yankee, uh, former Red Sox. He's been around. And he's on the mound here. And, you know, as as bad as Stanton has been struggling, it's amazing that he walked him the first time and that 
you know, he was on base and he he has a run scored in this game. So even if Stanton can do that for you, right? If he can just be be positive, get a walk here and there. Uh, obviously, you want to hit a home run would be great, as the Mets now take the uh, extend and now take the lead to three two. That would be great. That's what you want for him not to be an automatic out, which is what he's been. And once again, it's been, you know, those guys. The McKennies, the Bowers, those are the guys who have gotten hit after hit to keep the Yankees in games until the really, really talented guys on this team start to get going. DJ has a hit that drove in a couple of runs today. So that's that's what you're looking for. And as I said earlier, for me, getting DJ squared away, obviously Stanton is a huge piece, but I think even more so than Stanton, who's just swinging at everything right now, he's guessing and he hasn't guessed right in a while. LeMahieu is a guy that really has to get going for this team because he's the guy that, in theory, does everything, right? He makes contact. He can hit the home run on occasion, hits to the opposite field, hits to all fields. That's the, he's the guy that's got to get going. He's, he's, for me, he's the contact guy that you need because then things can start to throw – because once he gets hot, now you can slide him in the lineup and now you can get give some protection to Rizzo who can start to get going again. Because right now, Rizzo is still not still not Rizzo. He's still not Anthony Rizzo. He hasn't been A, injury, B, no judge in the lineup. So those have been key factors. He's had, you know, he's had a couple of three hits in the game. He's he's done he's shown you signs. But that's that's where if you can get him and LeMahieu really getting into a, a situation, now at least you're scoring more runs and you're giving your pitchers an opportunity to to extend until you get to your bullpen, which has been a major strength. Right? And, and that's what has not happened. And that will help you beat teams. Once again, I'm not saying, Yankee fans, that this is the lineup that you're used to seeing. This is not the lineup you used, you expect to be on the field. But it would be a more productive lineup if you could get those guys going. And then once you get them going, if you could make sure that they, you know, are focused and don't make base running mistakes like Labor Torres did early in the game. So, so that's the thing that you're looking for here from the Yankees. That's the only chance they have to try to stay afloat until their superstar Aaron Judge gets back. It's the only the only thing you can do. Only thing you can do. If DJ hits into a double play. Sorry. 3-2 Texas going to the fifth. As far as the Mets are concerned, listen. We've chronicled their issues time and time again. The guys in the it's really kind of the same thing. The guys in the lineup are not producing the way they did last year. Marte is not producing the way he did last year. Okay? He's got a 317 on-base percentage, hitting 261. And he's listen, he's great. 
<laughs> compared to some of the other numbers in this lineup. But he's he's not doing what he did last year. All right? Lindor has been inconsistent. Alonso's been hurt, but you know, he's he's been he's been a stud. He's been a stud. Tommy Pham has given the the team some life over the past couple of weeks since he's been gotten the opportunity to play some more. He's been good. McNeil has is showing some signs a little bit, but he's not hitting the way he's hit in the past. He's not. He's had a horrible June, horrible June. And so for them, that's that's been an issue. But unlike the Yankees, the Mets' pitching has been as inconsistent as the hitting has been. So that's the other problem that you're running into is the fact that they hit when they don't pitch. And when you get that starter that takes you into at least the sixth inning and further, and that's when they have a winning record. They have been, they with all the conversation that we have about this bullpen, to be fair, the bullpen has not been bad when the starters go deep because the tail end of your bullpen is pretty good. David Robinson has been very good. Adovino, eh, not great. Drew Smith, eh, not great. But when you stretch and you have your when you ask your bullpen, and that's to be fair, that's not just about the Mets. That's with a lot of bullpens in Major League Baseball. When you ask your bullpen to get 18, 15 outs, they're not going to be that good. Because your bullpen is really stacked. Set for seventh inning on. You have maybe a marginal guy for the sixth, or you could rotate some guys for that sixth inning in case your starter only gives you five. But for the most part, everybody struggles when I've got to get 15 to 18 outs. They all everybody struggles. Everybody, every team struggles. And then you're asked to do that on more than one occasion in a series. Sometimes back-to-back days, that's death for your bullpen. Death. So that's been the major issue with the Mets, has been their starting pitching. And we've chronicled it. We've talked about it. In the top of that that rotation, all right, you hope that they can continue to do well because the rest of the rotation is question marks. Now, for the for the Yankees, it's been Rodon, who pitched again today, only gave up one hit in four innings, so he's got one more outing, and then he'll be ready to go. And for the Mets, it's been Quintana. And so, you know, you're hoping that when he comes up, he adds some stability. He takes pressure off Carrasco, and he takes pressure off Senga. But he's not going to just come up here and throw a no-hitter his first time. I would love it, but it's going to take him some time to get used to major league pitching and major league hitters again. So hopefully, they can be squared away when they do. That wraps up this edition of the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. We thank you for joining us. Special thanks to uh, Ian Begley of SNY for joining us earlier in the show. Joe and, uh, Joe and Tom, thank you very much. Up next, conversation continues on 98.7 ESPN.